Welcome back to Thirst Impressions. I am Will, and today we're going to be talking about coffee and climate change. I'm Belinda. I'm Spencer. And I'm Kevin. We're happy to be here with you. Oh man, it is hot today, that's for sure. Yeah, seriously. It's, it's been good to have a little summer break, but uh, I'm it's, done with it, done with the heat. It's been like a hundred degrees, like nearly every single day this past yeah. week, it feels like. I saw, I think St. George just had their highest temperature ever. The 114 oh, uh, or something? 117. Hmm. Um, Didn't it, it Salt Lake highest the other, like two weeks ago and it was like 105 or something? Yeah, lot, lots of places in the West have been having all-time highs, for sure. Well, I've been I've been uh, trying to uh, work out more and eat healthier, so I've been out running in that heat, and oh my God, it's like running in a sauna, it feels like. Ugh. Luckily, like luckily, we don't live in Florida, otherwise it would be like literally running in a you sauna. You would die, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would probably die, what but instead, you- I'm starting to get a little, nice little tan going on, which has been nice. You uh, you live in the suburbs, dude. Just wait till it's dark. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, but because of that, um, I am trying to drink a little bit less alcohol. I haven't. I'm not quitting. Don't get me wrong. Just uh, while I'm working out, I need to stay a little hydrated. So today, I'm drinking some Earl Grey tea in my cool little Bernie mug here. So nice. I will. I will be painfully sober. So <laughs> I apologize. Just, just pushing pause. Yeah, yeah, it's good to pause and reset occasionally, yeah. for sure. Uh, I, since we're doing, um, what, caffeinated beverages or, or whatever we're calling today's show, um, I'm doing coffee, um, hot coffee, which is a strange choice now that I think about it uh, in reverse, uh, because I'm very warm right now. But So I have coffee with a little creamer, and I am not being healthy, so some drambuie um mixed in with it which is like a honey scotch a little whiskey not much i'm I'm keeping it healthy in that way yeah just a little splash in the navel marrow in the bones what are you drinking belinda i am doing a knockoff of a starbucks medicine ball and i did a mango passion fruit tea and then like the tezo like zen that's like lemongrass and spearmint tea uh mixed with some lemon juice and honey and it is heavenly it is so good Oof, that does sound good yeah mine's definitely not as fancy as that mine is like literally just like the generic earl gray tea bag which is delicious yeah what about you, Spencer? Are you drinking anything? I've got ginger and turmeric tea. Ooh, Pretty nice. Simple. Yeah, with some lemon juice and some honey. Is it is it a tea bag that has both of those things, or no, did you do I, two different I, tea bags? I have a loose leaf tea that I oh, nice. drink from time to time. Oh. So felt like the ginger and turmeric today. Yeah, my mom is the turmeric cures everything, so you are definitely going to be healthy in my mom's mind. So. I, I actually I actually haven't been super into tea um you know just like sometimes I'll like grab it at like you know the place where they have like little tea dispensers I'll describe that like a fast food restaurants and stuff but lately I've been getting into tea and I love it it is so amazing I don't know why everybody doesn't drink tea all the time 
I was drinking a lot of coffee for a while and then I would get the jitters. So I decided to back off. Like I was drinking a lot of coffee. Are you drinking like zero amount of coffee now? Yeah, I'm not doing coffee right now. So if I, if I need caffeine, I'll do green tea. That's, that's interesting. Cause, uh, the reason why I started drinking tea lately is because I too quit coffee about at like the start of the pandemic, not, not because of any reason other than I was too lazy to make it on my own. <laughs> cause, cause, yes. cause, cause normally I just like grab it on my way to work and uh, just sip it, you know, but I just, I like literally gave it up, but it was giving me the jitters too. And recently the past couple months, I was like, I just need some sort of caffeine. So that's why I started drinking tea. So it's just green tea has some great caffeine in it. But I will tell you, uh, since since around the start of the summer, I started drinking uh, coffee again. And holy shit, I coffee is amazing. That's that's all I can say. <laughs> like doing a little break from it and then coming back you can really see like the difference of like your ability to like focus on tasks and stuff like that and it gives you awesome anxiety Spencer, <laughs> nothing like cutting- adding some anxiety yeah yeah What's why that? are you cutting why is spencer why are you cutting coffee out oh uh just worries about my heart and like trying to not overdo it so we're getting to that age where friends die yeah indeed it's weird, it's weird. indeed yeah. oh yeah that, that's not tough I, I think it's i think it's good i think it's healthy to be able to just kind of press pause and be like all right taking a break for a while or even or even quitting and that sort of thing um because alcohol uh surprisingly if you guys didn't know this is not healthy for you it's actually really? very unhealthy for you what <laughs> yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of fun, but um, it does cause health problems. That's what I heard. And uh, as much as the physical health is uh, important, obviously, like I think there's something healthy about um, in life just being able to learn to put put a pause on anything mm-hmm. that uh, you need to scale back in, or uh, you feel like you're not in a good place with it. So um, I think practicing that in kind of the physical realm really helps with mental clarity and strength too, to, to be able to, uh, I don't know, just get kind of in a rut of like doing the exact same thing, just because that's what you always do. Like just with your coffee, uh, story, Will, like like you were just used to, Oh, I go drive through Starbucks or whatever, um, on my way to work. And that's what I have. Yeah. Uh, And I actually do the opposite. I, you I never coffee to Starbucks and give it. Yes, <laughs> I go. I go deliver coffee to everyone at Starbucks. No, I I mostly make my own coffee, um, and sometimes I'll find, and I I actually my my oldest child works at a Starbucks, so um, she was uh, realizing how much coffee I was drinking, um, and kind of was like, Dad, that's not that's not healthy for anyone, oh. especially, especially someone your age. Um, I was like, mm. but, uh, so I've, I've scaled back. I still have it five days out of seven, probably in a week, but, uh, instead of doing eight to 12 cups a day, I'm more like four to six. So that's good. It's it, well, it's probably still not good, but it's better. It's certainly well, better. I was, I was reading, um, uh, about, 
how your coffee affects your liver and two cups of coffee a day is very good for your liver. It helps your liver go, like process toxins and uh, like waste products and stuff a lot more efficiently. So take so that. 12, so, so 12 cups, I'm like six times no, the, actually, the clarity of my liver. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Oh, no, okay. part of the study like measured because they're like, oh, well, if two cups help, then does four cups double help, you know? And they found that like, no, it's, 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 it's like a curve. Like it's sweet spot. Like, Two cups is like the the sweet spot. Then anything after that is just more coffee. It doesn't help or make worse. It just exists, you know. It it doesn't exist for long because that that is something I've noticed in going back to the office uh, recently. I've continued to drink as much coffee, and I do. I will say the pandemic because I started just making coffee at home all the time and drinking so much. Um, I'm still kind of in that habit, even though I've scaled back. But now I'm noticing like every time I stand up at work, uh, got to go to the bathroom before this meeting. Oh, I got to go to the bathroom again before this meeting. Yeah. So, you know. uh, I hate how coffee does that. But no, I'm, I'm, uh, you go to the bathroom. Do you mean the coffee shits or you mean like, no, no, oh. uh, no, just, just being, no, I know it is. There's a lot of um, French press. Tell you what, clean you right out. You get that sludge from the French press. Oh my God. But <laughs> <laughs> Belinda can tell you, I'd never used a French press before. Okay. And for, for some reason, I think my coffee maker broke or I, maybe we were camping. I think we were camping. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I can make it because I'd watched her do it once. And so I, <laughs> I put the stuff in and um, it, the plunger that you're supposed to just gently, slowly put down. I'm yeah. like, oh my God. Because I'm like, oh, you gotta you gotta froth it up, you know, you gotta really mix no. it in. Kevin, it, it, it was I'm not like, it didn't work. It's broken. And I'm like, it is? Kevin. I'm I'm like, it's like mud. It's so thick. Oh, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. That's so funny. Which that, that brings me to a great point is we absolutely should have a coffee episode where we can teach uh, people how to uh, use certain equipment it's, so they don't embarrass themselves when they're out camping trying to make coffee. It's true. I think the main reason that, uh, I mean, they're convenient, but uh, what do they call them? The, like the K-pod things. The, oh, yeah. Oh, Keurig. Keurig, Keurig uh, machines are so popular. Um, especially here in Utah, is yeah. because pe people don't really know how to make coffee. So they're like, oh, I just have to put this thing in there and push a button and it's done. Yeah. It's, it's really not that hard. But if you don't know and yeah. you don't if know you that don't there's know, a thing called YouTube. You know. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I, I learned really quickly after drinking one, you know, sip of French press coffee that had been thoroughly, uh, it was like I was making butter, you know, like oh. just churning away yeah Ugh. or washing some clothes in the french press you know well speaking of my drive to work today um if you guys look outside it's pretty crazy there Ugh. is sky there the, if you live in one of the valley or if you live in like salt lake valley you probably don't even notice the mountains that are around and i said mountains because that really in utah and it's the, the the sun when it's about to go down on the horizon it's just red 
Have, have you guys noticed this? This is crazy. It's a blood, blood sun and blood moon, Will. Yeah. You know that Does means? that mean the world is ending? It must. So. And, it and I think like it, it. it feels like that might be a true prophecy, actually, yeah. because, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah, it's, uh, I was a couple days ago driving down south, and I, I realized, like, I'd been outside for a few minutes, but I'd been driving, and then I looked up, and I was like, where am I? I don't see mountains anywhere. Oh, I mean, wow. for those of you not from Utah, we, we live in a valley and we have really giant mountains on one side and very large mountains on the other side, um, running what north to north south, south. Most, yeah. mostly. Um, but uh, but it's pretty close quarters. Like there's not a lot of wide open spaces in, in this valley. And that's um, how you orient yourself when you're yeah. navigating around, right? Yeah, so it was really weird to just be like, where are the mountains? <laughs> and my son was with me and he's like taking pictures. He's like, what happened? I'm like, oh, there must be a fire locally, like like really locally because it's so thick. And it turns um, out that it's not local fires, actually. There's a, who was it? Uh, Noah or the, you, the north, whatever, the weather place. Oh, Nor- yes. Nor- I think it's no. Noah. Noah, N O A A. They they put out a video on Twitter showing like um, this like like literal satellite images showing smoke from North California going over Nevada, over Salt Lake County in Utah County. It's it's insane. We're we have literal forest fires that are states away that are literally affecting like the sky in Utah like the ability to even like see the sky. This is crazy. I'm looking at my window and the smoke is indistinguishable from the clouds. Like they just kind of blend together. You can taste it too. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a fog when you're driving. It looks like a fog. It, it's absolutely disgusting. And what's sad is it's probably just going to get worse and worse and worse until there's no more trees Nothing left to burn. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, I saw this meme on Twitter the other day. It was really depressing. It was like, um, like a Simpsons meme and Bart is talking to Homer and Bart is like, Oh, it's the hottest summer of my whole entire life. And Homer was like, no son, it is the coolest summer for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh. oh that's scary <laughs> and that's kind of that's kind of how i feel about these these uh fires that just keep popping up and they it seems to get worse every single year yeah i was uh i was just reading a book recently that was talking about it wasn't really talking about climate change it was talking about the history of the earth and um but climate change was mentioned and it was talking about the ice ages and it was talking about the hot periods. And the, the author was talking about how it's, it seems counterintuitive that you can go from getting very hot to all of a sudden sliding into an ice age. Like how does that happen? Or you can be in an ice age and get to a place where somehow everything's frozen, but now we're melting. Um, he talks about how um, when it gets really hot like this, um, it actually increases the 
uh, moisture that's evaporated into the air and therefore creates more rainfall, which you would think is a, a good thing. But then what can happen is we get massive winters and then we have more snow coverage, which lowers the, the temperature of the earth. And then the snow stops melting as much. And then, you know, obviously we're talking over extremely large periods yeah. of time, but, but like it, it really is this like finely balanced thing um, for us to be where we are. And we're just throwing, is seemingly throwing everything we can at it to just fuck it up, like, and, and make it go off kilter. Um, so like, I'm not, I'm not hopeful. I'm not hopeful that before my life is over, things aren't going to be in such a state that like what I recognize as the normal right now is completely different, you know? So I'm looking at a graph. If you've ever looked at a climate change graph, the visuals are shocking, to be honest. Like, so like I'm looking at one right now, I just pulled one up just to kind of see like where we're at. Um, the warmest previously, like in recorded history, as far as temperatures, like, like if you go way back, like a thousand years ago, near like 1078, um, the temperature was about the same as it was in the early like 1920s uh, on earth. And we have like doubled that number. Um, so we are like, like the temperature, like they call it the temperature anomaly, right? Like 60, like it's, oh, it's like, you know, 0.1 degrees, you know, or 0.9 degrees Celsius cooler or warmer than average, right? And that doesn't seem like a lot, but it's a lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, and right now we are, um, yeah, we're, we're not doing so hot, actually. Yeah. Yeah, those and uh, Kevin. Kevin was bringing up a good point um, before the show, where a lot of a lot of conservatives, you, you'll see like the like the like these graphs that you're talking about, Belinda, of like the Earth's temperature over time, and like using um, um, using like ice that they that they've drilled out of glaciers, they're able to figure this out, right? And they so like you'll see on the graph it's like really crazy the temperatures up and down up and down up and down and then relatively recently it's been a very calm line mm -hmm. and if i'm not mistaken is that's we're in what's called the is it the holocene period yeah yeah and so a lot of conservatives will point to this and be like see the the, the earth goes through these cycles all the time like, look, look at all these temperatures. We don't need to be worried about two or three degrees Celsius. Don't, who cares about that? And yet they never kind of finish their thought and think about like, oh, I wonder when civilization actually started. Weird that it's in the Holocene period. I wonder why like human civilization didn't exist or at least in it, its advanced form as it is now for the thousands of years during ice age periods and other uh, other periods. Well, it's probably because every time the earth changes like that, millions of humans die and we're not able to organize and uh, create all the cool things that we can now. So that, that was just, uh, you had brought that up, Kevin, and just made me think of that, of like, 
yeah like you don't you don't think these like what was it Belinda like 0.19 degrees celsius or whatever yeah yeah it's that's that's a lot that that causes what you're talking about Kevin where the where the glaciers start melting faster or the water starts uh being absorbed in the air more which it's it's crazy and my cat is even worried about it as you guys can tell Elliot's stressed yeah he is stressed yeah the problem <laughs> is like the temperature of the ocean is changing too so you have the ocean heating up globally and animals in the ocean that cannot exist you know at certain temperatures are just going to die off and that's what's happening um i asked my son to look up where the hottest place in the earth was the other day um and he found a thing that recorded uh surface temperatures land surface temperatures mm. and it gets two hot. Spots, yeah it gets hot you know have you ever like walked on a hot asphalt you know in your bare little tootsies you know it's you know do a little dance it's, it hurts right um but you know here it probably doesn't get quite as hot you know as some places um in the sonoran desert recently the surface temperature was recorded at 177 degrees whoa jesus christ where, where was whoa. that in the sonoran desert and in so, another place in the middle east two places both recorded the same temperature of 177 degrees fahrenheit that's, that's not good no. no it's like putting your feet in the oven almost so yeah no it's um it's terrifying actually like it, it is so scary to hear all these numbers and to know that like it's literally only going to get worse from here i i am i am a i i wish more than anything that our politicians and our society will finally come together and defeat climate change and all this sort of stuff. I have zero hope for it, guys. Yeah. I, I I am in climate nihilism right now. I agree. I mean, if if the pandemic's any indicator, and I, I said this early on in the pandemic that the Achilles heel would be freedom of choice, which sounds fucked up and weird because you know you don't want to force people to do things, maybe. But yeah, the fact that it's so hard to get people to to get vaccinated or to be considered enough to wear a mask, like for us to, I think, make a measurable difference in uh, the state of the planet and the environment would be, it would take a monumental effort and coordination. Yeah. And yeah. how do you like get rid of somebody's greed, right? Because it's people's greed that is driving the destruction of our climate, right? Yeah. I mean, let's, I mean, let, uh, an example of that perfectly is we were lighting the fucking ocean on fire. We we're lighting the Gulf on fire because some corporation wanted to wanted to extract oil from that from the pipeline that they found under not the pipeline the oil whatever under the under the Gulf. They lit it on fire. Like we are literally lighting this planet on fire for what? Yeah. For what? That's so not we the can... first time that's happened, though, either in the Gulf. Like they had that happen. Do you guys remember when that happened the last time where the pipeline broke underwater and they weren't able to fix it? And it was just like gushing oil into the ocean just constantly for, for, for a long time, too. A long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like we are purposefully trying to destroy this planet. It feels it, like. It makes Jesus come faster, though. Oh. 
I mean, maybe. It's uh, not good to come you, fast. Yeah, like, are you saying he gets off on that or what? Right. <laughs> He's like, oh, I can't hold on anymore. Oh, all that profit. <laughs> no, well, I, I've literally heard conservatives make the argument that climate change is good because it'll open up shipping lanes in the north. Like to be able to go from like Canada to Russia much more efficiently than wow. we're able to do now. Like that's that's how they're thinking about climate change. Like, oh, this will make it us be able to make a lot more profit. And we can so, just move to Iceland where it's going to be nice. See, but th that's the whole problem. It's a classist racist struggle. Too. Yes. And and, you know, frankly, frankly, all of us are in a place where if things get uncomfortable financially, we could probably all just relocate if, you know, if it was like, it's this or die or whatever, yeah, right. no problem. But like people are literally dying this summer from heat. People who don't have or can't afford um, air conditioning, who people who are living on the street. Um, and, and I'm not talking like a couple, a couple of people who would have died because they were on the street anyway. I'm talking... In Canada, we had the highest recorded ever Canadian temperature of 121. Yeah. yeah. And it was in a town I'd never heard of, a tiny town, but um, that town probably had never been on the national or even uh, global news level. And they were twice in that day. Here's why. First, they were the highest ever recorded temperature in Canada. And second of all, literally the town burnt to the ground in a, a few hours um, the whole town, it's gone. It doesn't even exist anymore because the whole town burnt to the ground um, due to the wildfires from the extreme heat. So it's like the, what was the, the town in uh, California a couple of years ago? Fire, was it Paradise. Fireside? Paradise. Paradise. Yep. And it was, it was like just gone. Just so everything. I, I think I'm, I'm not saying this is what y'all are saying, but Oftentimes, I think climate change is uh, cast as a, you know, left issue, um, at least awareness and, and discussion right. around it driven by the left and that the right tends to be dismissive of data or facts regarding climate change. I've actually done a little bit of reading in the past about this, uh, specifically related to the forest fires, because oh. people were like, what the fuck happened? You know, and famously, Trump was like, hey, we need to rake the forest floors. Okay, right. sounds ridiculous, but he actually, I think, has a point. Not so much about raking specifically, but about forest management. Oh. Now. Uh, because we've essentially tried to control nature and prevent fires from burning, that it has caused a lot of undergrowth, which essentially is like, you know, a tinderbox uh for these these forest fires to start i mean we went kept camping kevin and we were talking about fires and um safety and uh, with, with all of that but you know definitely don't lie in the fire but don't um, it's not safe it's, yeah. it's really easy for that stuff to catch on fire is all i'm saying so it's actually a twofold problem so that humans have created the problem due to our greed and excess um in essentially extracting from the planet resources to further gain or gain and in addition to that we've also you know tried to mitigate uh, and stop these fires from happening that would naturally occur and clear out that undergrowth in fact there are evergreen trees that they actually 
seed and reproduce when there is a fire. The mm -hmm. heat causes them to disperse, uh, you know, their seeds. So I think it's actually a, a very complex problem. Um, it's easy to say, oh yeah, they don't care or they, they care too much. But in the case of fires specifically, it's, it's a lot more nuanced than that. I know that the, um, the group um, uh, Sunrise, I don't know why I couldn't think of their name, um, Sunrise, they're, they're, they're the group that's pushing the Green New Deal. And um, part of the Green New Deal is the formation of uh, the Climate Corps, which I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure Biden is trying to do something similar, um, where essentially it's kind of like a revamp of, of like what they did with like the National Forest Services and the National Park Services, where they want to like actually get into how, how do we manage forests in a sustainable way and the climate core is supposed to be the ones that like go in and like learn all learn the geography and learn all the 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 plant type of stuff in order to know or to make the best decisions for different regions because there are some regions like um i think i, I think me and you read the same article because i think me and you had this conversation before spencer um because like in california they they need to manage their forests differently than like the way in Utah we manage it right um and we just need we need either the federal government or every single state to actually start doing this and start managing our natural resources in a way that is more sustainable and that also includes oil and gas like we need to manage those resources in a much more sustainable way so there's resource management then to Belinda's point, greed being a driver, um, mm -hmm. creating problems. Um, so I'll say this and then Kevin, you can jump in. But uh, the drought's on my mind too. Mm. But the, the thing is, you know, you look at California, I used to live there, uh, I look at Utah and we build everything up to the fringes, to the borders of our open spaces. And in California, I mean, sometimes they're building into forests, meaning building homes and, the juxtaposition of uh, humans to wild areas is well, it's it's fucking up uh, migratory patterns of animals or um, their habitats and domains. But on top of that, it puts homes in close proximity to what would naturally be uh, an area that would burn, right? Yeah. And so we we lament that these forest fires are, you know eradicating towns, but at the same time, it's like, well, what did you expect if you, Mr. Developer, or miss or whoever developer didn't consider the ecological impact and ramifications of what you're doing. Yeah, that is such, yeah, that, that you, like we could, I'm not going to, but like you could totally turn that into a discussion about like uh, suburbanization and the way that we even organize the way that we do our cities and towns and because we, we can do that in a much more sustainable way. So one of the things that's been going through my mind as we've been talking about this, like talking about forestry, talking about um, water management, all of these various things, um, all four of us have worked in the corporate world, right? We know what corporate America is like. We know that you, even when uh, you work for a corporation that, that is honestly trying to do good and trying to give back and trying to help, in the end, the the shareholders and the board of directors 
th their bottom line thing is to make money. And uh, there's, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are probably examples, hopefully there are examples where that's not the driving factor, but in a vast majority of, of certainly America, but even throughout the world, um, that's the driving force is make more money, right? So even when we have sometimes agencies, even government agencies, uh, maybe even in particular government agencies, um, like the US Forest Service, like whatever, um, you know, things tied to um, oil and, and gasoline and all these things, even the transportation department. Um, in the end, those corporations still drive what is being studied by the scientists, what is being invented by the scientists and the, you know, engineers and, and the thinkers, the minds. Um, and it's all being driven by, again, a financial bottom line and a power bottom line so i mean you can only well i was gonna say you can only make so much money but we're, we're really proving that that's not true right um, um i saw that jeff bezos is set to become the world's first trillionaire is it trillionaire God. trillionaire soon um uh, really yeah I, I read that I, I don't know but uh um well, I, saw, I also saw something the other day that said every second of every day of every year, he makes the equivalent, every second, he makes the equivalent of the, the average American uh, worker's uh, monthly salary. So um, so it, it, it adds up and then you invest all of that money every second as it comes in. And, you know, uh, anyway, so um, it, it Everything is what we currently have. We can't. Shit, it's, I was just Googling. Sorry. It says uh, by 2026, he should be a trillionaire. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's not, not that very, far away. It's not no. that far away. Holy shit. No. Um, <laughs> that's a $1,000 billion. That, that, that yeah. hurts my head. Yeah. My, um, I just, I am like holding back like unbridled rage. <laughs> Fucking hate that dude. So, I mean. It'll probably die in space here soon, so it's fine. Um, we should figure out where his money's going to go. But um, but uh, hopefully it all goes to his ex-wife, who will give it away. Um, but anyway. what like what people. Yeah. Uh, what, what I was saying is, um, like, we look to science and we look to government agencies um, to really help drive um, change that will... Um, at least stop the forward progress of things like climate change or other problems that we have. Um, but the reality is um, corporate America is driving most of those agencies that we're expecting to drive the change. Well, I mean, government in theory could, because it could be like, sure, this, sure. or you're fucking dead. That's, I mean, that's, or you're going to jail. That's how they get us to pay taxes. Yeah. Do this yeah. or you're going to jail. Like they could do it. But the problem is, again, free will and the Constitution and all that. I'm not advocating for the unraveling of the Constitution here. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I, 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 think, um, I think you're right, Kevin. And I think that the government is just largely bought and owned by the people running all the companies, all the board members. Like, it's, it's just corporate America. It's why... Why is the why has the government been giving the oil and gas industry tens of billions of dollars every single year? It makes 
in, in subsidies. Like, so you're right. Like, let's let's make it. If if profit is the driving force of this economy, and we know that there is a iceberg ahead, which is climate change, and we want to steer away from that iceberg, then let's stop giving the companies steering us towards the iceberg. Let's stop giving them all the money and let's give the money to researchers who are not profit driven, who are just trying to find the science that will save us. And I like Exxon Mobil was the one that was doing the first science on climate change back in like the 60s and 70s. And they found that they were causing the problems that we're seeing today. And instead of being like, oh, well, let's be like responsible corporate citizens and like make sure that like we don't like destroy the planet. They lied. Yeah, they, they, did the, they did something even worse. They hired people to lie. They hired scientists to make science reports seem like, oh, well, it's not really climate change. It's more global warming and it's not going to affect you that bad and all this sort of stuff. It's the, the government, to Spencer's point, the government could step in and they could, they could rig the game in such a way where it is more profitable to use green energy than it is to use the shitty stuff that is destroying our planet but they're not going to do that because they're bought and owned by the same people profiting off of exploiting our planet and destroying it. It's, so I don't know. I, this, this is my nihilism. Yeah. Well, I think it's sad that it became a, uh, like a political issue. Right. And yes. Al Gore, I know bless his little heart. He was trying to help out, but him making that whole movie made it a political thing, a left and right thing. And so now it's become this thing like, oh, well, oh, the liberals want to, you know, change right. everything. We've got all these people that are so complacent and they've never had to deal with climate change. They've never had to like, oh, you know, it's fine. It's fine. There's no reason for them to change because there's been no historical reason for them to change or their parents to change. And we've had the industrial revolution come and explode the earth with coal and oil and gas and all these things. And it to business people, it's been a, a huge boon, right? Like they've made tons and tons and tons of money off this. Um, so there's no reason for them to stop. There's no, yeah. no reason for them to stop. Yeah. Um, so we've got, yeah, it's, it's bad because like as humans, we are apex predators. Um, we are, we are. Uh, we're delicate creatures. Apex predators are usually the first to die off in any climate change uh, uh, event. Um, so, because our food source, when it disappears, we really, we're not versatile. We, we can't switch up and like eat something different, right? Yeah, um, no, right. And right now, our, green. that's true, we could. But right now, like our food, like it's not grown near where we live, hardly ever right? Our food, it comes from South America. It comes from China. It comes from all these other places. Um, and that's just shipped to us and it's available and cheap and everything. And so, uh, what if some like catastrophe happened and food supplies were cut off? Like we'd be well, dead. This, this wasn't the case dead. with food, but, uh, the evergreen that got stuck in the Suez Canal, Suez, Suez Canal. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. There are still ships that haven't made their um, 
during your deliveries because oh, it was, things really? were so backed up. Yeah, I was wow. reading a few weeks back. Um, so those those ripple effects are felt. So to your point, like sometimes because everything is built just in time, like we took this idea of just in time, everything and yeah. Yeah. applied it to all sorts of aspects of life. You know, Henry yeah. Ford, bless his little heart. But uh, it creates problems because you're not prepared for um, the things aren't overbuilt. They're ju- we just build just enough yeah. to, to hold this thin thread of uh, the economy together or trade or whatever. And I mean, look at what happened in Texas, right? Oh, yeah. As the temperature dropped because they weren't prepared, right? Everything yeah. was built just in time, just enough. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the pandemic was a perfect example of that. Just yeah. everything, masks. Like we're running out of hospital beds? What do you mean? Running out of Could there be a hospital bed for yeah. every, you know? That's person? impossible. I know. You yeah. think about it, you're like, what? This doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. No, it's in it. And, Oh, yeah, um, masks a, too. A, a friend, a friend of mine on on Twitter, he, uh, he was commenting on. Oh, for the, the this will lead into it is um, you're right, Belinda. Like the the conservatives, uh, they they keep on like Al Gore kind of made it more of a political issue. Um, I think I think the conservatives didn't really. It's not really that they like. Honestly, I don't think that it's that conservatives literally don't believe in climate change. I think it's more of like, yeah, who, who gives a shit? Like, I'm in power now. I'm making yeah. money now. And I don't need to worry about future gen- generations. That, that's and, and also, like, this corporation is giving me tons of money. So, like, I'm not going to back policy that's not going to benefit them. And conservatives are generally of what religious right you know like they're christians right so like the earth burning up is great to them just means jesus is on his way literally um but another another aspect of that is like i'm i i will not let liberals off the hook of this either like you you have a whole bunch of democrats who are pushing this nonsense idea that if we get rid of plastic straws that that's going to solve things or if or if we all just had electric cars yeah that would that would do good. Now, actually, create policy that forces car manufacturers to use like be electric, and then create subsidies where people can actually buy that shit. Like, yeah. you see what I mean? Like, liberals liberals are also part of the problem where they're trying to make this a individual. Like, you need to make better choices because you're destroying the planet. When when you look at when you look at you didn't drink out of them. God damn it! Yeah, right? like when you look at the actual data, like the the top one percent of income earners in this country produce like i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm not gonna be that far off on these numbers like you can look these up it's some crazy stat like the top one percent uses or emits 80 percent of the the individual carbon output in this country because they have private jets they they've got multiple homes like they've got a bunch of cars and workers trying to move stuff around all the time like consuming more than anybody else right that's exactly right cars clothes food Mm -hmm. you know just waste exactly exactly so i i don't think i'm that far off on the numbers there so look look it up but um where i'm going with this is a friend of mine made this comment on twitter because people are trying to they're just they're having a discourse about climate change obviously and he made a good point that like it doesn't matter 
how much we do like basically like right now like we, we've already hit the limit for our carbon output like we, we're already starting to kick off uh um what's it called uh cyclical things what's it called um, downward spiral no to hell? uh where where you, you something it, it's like you, you you get to a point in like the rainforest where it just becomes too hot and everything dies like like you can you can get point it up no like return? i don't i don't know yeah it's like it's the point of no return it's you start uh oh it's feedback loads once, once once you get into a point where the climate reaches a point where it starts emitting more carbon than it's uh than it's uh using then shit like you can't do anything else the only thing you can do is to start pulling carbon out of the air the only thing you can do is start to reverse climate change as opposed to not put out more carbon you, you see what i mean and that's where we're at right now is we're we've already passed the limit or we're going to and there's no way we can stop that momentum and the real solution to climate change is we need to change the way that we live like we need to change uh like the way that we produce products and consume products like no more of this single plastic like i I know I'm getting onto that liberal thing, but like no more single use plastics, make it a law. Start, start finding corporations that put things in plastic things. Start, start finding corporations that are going over their, car, uh, their carbon limit. Start shoving shit ton of money into research and development for technology. I used items, right? Exactly. Uh, how about we have recycling plants that actually fucking recycle things instead of just literally throwing it into the, the rest of the trash. That's yeah. literally what most recycling places do. So my cousin's husband owned a recycling company and it was cheaper for him to take the recycling, put it on a boat and ship it to China um, than it was to recycle it. Yeah. So there's, there's, systemic, there's systemic things that we need to fix before we can that's the, that's that's what i'm trying to say is the real solution to climate change is we need to fix the systemic problems we can't yes. individual stuff is not going to do it but the systemic stuff is going to enable us to make the to make the individual decisions a lot easier i don't think it's a matter of even can't it's won't because yeah there's two Belinda's climate change Belinda's. just caused this. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> For those listening, we just had a, we had a surprise Belinda up here. Wild Belinda. <laughs> nice. um, so it's not a matter of can't. I think it's it's more won't. We won't do it because no. You know, I, I can as as Will was talking, I was just imagining lobbyists saying, or even companies saying, oh well, we're gonna have to pass these costs on to the consumers. And my brain goes, okay, cool. Well, how about you pay us more? And then we'll be able to afford that. I guess it's, I don't know if it's a, if that's a feedback loop itself or something. It is. It probably um, is, yeah. As well, because, yeah, there's there's probably problems on the tail end. But um, as Will and I know, modern monetary theory would suggest otherwise. But anyhow, um, I can I can totally see companies saying that and people going, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it's already expensive to live here. I mean, gas in Utah is now... It's almost like four dollars prices yeah yeah it's like Ooh, 3, 370 a gallon something like that i just paid 379 today yeah, yeah. a gallon yeah. Oh. so no 
And as our temperature rises and we're putting more pressure on the power grid, like just happened now, my power is out uh, because everybody's trying to furiously cool their homes uh, right now. And so, yeah. <laughs> Lights yeah, out, powers out. I have that's a problem too. You know, my power is cut out a few times. Um, just chilling at home, you know. It's just yeah. been cutting out, out and in. It's unusual. Yeah, yeah. and imagine, imagine if uh, you had somebody living with you that required uh, like medical devices that had yeah. electricity going to them. I know when uh, California, when the, the that Paradise uh, fire happened. Um, what was, what's the company? Is it PG&E? PG&E. Yeah. PG&E, yeah. the, the fire was caused by them because of their complete neglect to maintain their infrastructure. Um, they, they started doing rolling blackouts and they didn't even consider people that had medical, uh, medical things. And like people were literally dying in their homes because PG&E was turning off their power. It's like, this, that's, that's another aspect of climate change. Like you don't think of those, like those downstream effects that like these bigger events have, but it's, it's like the butterfly effect. You, one thing changes and it has a ripple effect that changes so many other things. And the people who are going to be hurt the most by that are the people who don't have the means to get out of that situation. And so it is, like you said, Kevin, it is very classist. It is a classist uh, uh, effect that climate change is going to have on us. I think uh, the pandemic uh, kind of pinpointed often, even if we have lots of warning, even if we have scientists and data from multiple sources pointing to something and saying, this is really bad. Hey, everyone, this is really bad. Hey, this is really bad. Um, we just kind of ignore it until the shit really hits the fan. And then sometimes we still, so a certain portion of the population at least will, um, still ignore it, even when there's shit flying everywhere right. from, from the fan blast. But, um, I think, um, as political as it all can be, I just recently had conversations with a couple different conservative, very conservative people. One is our, uh, our desk mate friend from work, Will. Um, and he is a firm believer in climate change and he, he's clearly done research and studied like some of the, the science behind it and things like that. I was actually reasonably impressed by, uh, the extent of his knowledge on it. But, um, I think the real problem is laziness. Um, and uh, I'll use a different word, not laziness, complacency. Um, we're all just like comfortable, uh, even when we're not comfortable, even things when things are pretty bad, we're pretty comfortable, uh, especially here in America. Not everyone, obviously, but uh, uh, for the most part, we're all reasonably comfortable. And I think it does a big disservice to us. I'm not saying don't be comfortable in life. I'm just saying there are things that are important enough or big enough issues, whether it be a pandemic or climate change or whatever. And so me not using a plastic straw, why, well, that's not a bad thing. Um, if I use that to, you know, reduce my, my stress level about this or reduce my uh, feelings of fear that we need to do more, and I don't let those fears and those things 
helped me drive along with others, you know, um, massive changes in infrastructure, massive changes in how we approach things, then in the end, we're just going to comfortably die in fires mm -hmm. and yes. heat waves. Comfortably. So when is the revolution? That's what I want to know. I, I don't know, Belinda, and I'll, I'll wrap on saying uh, just that I am extraordinarily nihilistic about climate change. And I don't, I don't, I just, I just don't think we're ever going to fix it. And I think my grandchildren are going to just have a really crappy life because of it. So that, that's, that's, I don't know what I, Belinda, there needs to, like, if there is a solution, I don't know of any other thing other than like some sort of revolutionary type of change. Like, yeah. I'm not saying an actual revolution. Maybe that's what's needed though. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, I, I just don't see how we can get the, the plutocrats that run our country to actually give a shit when we've known about this for literally a half century and we still haven't done anything about it. Sure. So. I'm so I'm sorry to our listeners that I'm so pessimistic about this. So thank you for your optimism, Kevin. It'll drive them to change. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. Yeah, or that. I figure that'll fix everything. Yeah. Praise Do you have your two-year supply in of food so that when the food shortages happen, you've got all your uh... I thought it was one year. Shit. Yeah, remember, remember when they remember when they used to push that all the time? Oh yeah. Spencer Kimball was a big, a big proponent. And even <laughs> Ezra Taft Benson, yeah. My parents have so much weevilly wheat, they could feed us for a long time. And by, by they, I mean the Mormon church used to push very heavily, heavily uh, preparedness, food storage, they called it. The OG preppers. That's right. I was recently accused, by the way, of being the type of person who is probably a prepper. Um, oh, really? Oh no! In fact, I think I was part of that conversation. Yeah, but no, by my own father. So there you oh. go. <laughs> and I was part of a different conversation where somebody was insinuating that you might be a prepper. Oh yeah, I yeah. Think it's no, the he, beard. I think it's the beard. The beard. Yeah, I think it was just. Well, my dad was letting me know he was a big prepper and he had a lot of shit. Um, and uh, I, I guess might be my. Uh, I guess by me not like freaking out when he said that he assumed i must be a prepper too so <laughs> good times well i think we will all need to be preppers as our world descends deeper and deeper into hell and <laughs> the fire and brimstone and with that amazing message we're so happy to be back and follow us on all the things um you can find us on thirst impressions uh on facebook right yep and thirstimpressions.show for our show notes and thirstpod on twitter amen amen <laughs> amen <laughs> well we talked about jesus coming fast oh that's true we don't have to do that <laughs>